rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mostly Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damon. All right, buddies. Uh, this week, we're going to cut this intro short because, as you can tell, I am losing my voice. Uh, that's what happens when you work at Whole Foods and you spend the whole day asking people for donations. But, hey, whatever. Uh, that's life. I'm also getting a little sick. Uh, but you don't care about that. Who cares? We're here today to talk about David Dondero. Uh, David played at the High Dive last Thursday. Uh, that was uh, November 7th. Um, fantastic show. I showed up completely late and missed the opening acts and caught uh, most of David's set. Um, fantastic set. He reminds me a lot of a more awkward Corey Brannon. Whereas Corey Brannon is a master and very confident of himself in his stage presence. Um he tells a lot of stories David also tells a lot of stories but it comes off as very humble very awkward and a little shy it's wonderful it is fun uh, great thing to witness and I was very fortunate to get to witness as we'll uh, get into in today's episode talking with David um, Austin Lucas turned me on to him whenever me and Austin Lucas toured with Drag the River back in 2011. So thank you, Austin, for introducing me to David uh, way back when, and I'm glad we finally made things happen. Uh, today's interview, of course, I wasn't even sure what was going to happen, so uh, there towards the end, I didn't have... The, the way I do interviews is I just write down every idea I've got and then kind of turn those into some sort of interview uh, through my own weird way of doing things and I kind of got to the end and I couldn't didn't really know how to wrap things up as you guys will hear today but uh the opening part of the in- interview oh, we got some really good stuff I mean we've got David rapping uh we got him rapping today so we'll just we'll just let that happen uh but yeah we get, we get him talking about some some of his favorite rap jams and uh, whatnot so uh my voice is completely shot hopefully we'll be back by this weekend because uh Friday November 15th we're going to be at the Surfside 7 in Fort Collins doing a live Mostly Harmless podcast with our boys from Arliss Nancy. Uh, they're going to be playing later that night at Road 34 doing their CD release party, or I guess album release party nowadays because, I mean, it's more than just CDs. So uh, please, if you're in the Colorado area, please come check that out. Live Mostly Harmless podcast, uh, Surfside 7 at 5 p.m. Uh, Friday, November 15th. All right, guys, uh, we're going to go ahead and open this interview up Uh with a song from David Dondero. Uh, the first song, um, well, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is just killing me. I got to take a, take a drink of water right here. All right. This song is called This Guitar. It's off David's newest album, This Guitar, which was uh, funded through listener donations like yourself through Bandcamp. Not Bandcamp, I'm sorry, Kickstarter. Sorry, cold meds are killing me, guys. This is the third time I've tried to do this intro. I got to get through it this time. Um, there are two versions of this guitar on his newest record. I'm going with the second guitar-only version because it kind of gives you a little bit more of a feel of how his live show is going to be. Um, and honestly, it's my favorite version. It's a lot more um, dark and haunting and a little bit more ominous. And we talk about that song here in today's episode. I wish I had, wish I had prepared a little bit more and had, had the right things to say when we get, a, get to this song. But hey, whatever, I was sick, so... I almost have a good excuse. Sorry, guys. This is uh, this guitar, the guitar version of, of David Dondero from the album This Guitar. You can find this on Bandcamp or his website. Uh, his Bandcamp is davidondero1.bandcamp.com. This is a Mostly Harmless podcast, and we'll have that link up there for you so you can buy this up. 
All right, guys. I'm going to go rest my voice. Enjoy this episode. All right. Guitar took me round the world It got me money and it got me loose women And it left me empty-handed at the end of the line Stranded alone, broken out of my mind This guitar, it always makes me drink It never listens to the things I think It just goes off and does what it wants to do Well, I sit back and wait and let it whine till it's through Just to play Just to play Till I slip away I slip away This guitar fucking ruined my life Lost me jobs and it lost me wives And I swear I'm gonna strangle its skinny neck For turning my sweet life into a wreck This guitar taunts me from the case I swear to God I'll put it back in its place But then it's sweet talks its way back into my life But every goddamn time I've got to pay the price Just to play Just to play slip away Rich people out on Lake Wayway Lazy money ain't got nothing to say They talking down to me Like I've got no education Well, they're the ones who are obsessed With their sprinkler systems Every evening when the sun's going down I get the guitar and I walk downtown And I drink my grandma for the happy hour Yes, we drink We drink until we find the power Just to play Just to play Till we slip away Till we slip away Till we slip away Gotta slip away So we're hanging out at the uh, basement of the high dive in the basement green room uh, with uh, David Dondero. He just played a fantastic set. How, how do you feel tonight about your set? 
I feel good about it. it feels yeah. nice. Yeah, I'll scooch up. It feels nice. Yeah, it was a good little crowd here tonight. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, not too bad for uh, Thursday, and it's like, what? I don't. E- I don't even know how cold it is, but it's getting chilly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little rowdy, but like nice rowdy too. Like not like dickhead. I didn't think they were too dickheadish. No, they were totally, totally nice. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the whole night. And it was great. Yeah. How long are you? How long have you been out on tour so far? Well, just almost a week. Um, yeah, I guess I started out in San Francisco, and I just made my way out this way. Yeah, how long are you out for now? Um, at least till Christmas, cool. and I'm doing my own booking now. Okay. So I, I booked it up till December 20th, and then I'm so I'm, now I'm going to start to book January, but I'm going to take a break during the holidays yeah. and stick around the Carolinas. Yeah. I'll go see my mother. <laughs> but for the most part, you consider your uh, car your home right now vehicle yeah or friends you know yeah. I, I have a lot of friends around the country so you know I'll stay at like tomorrow I'll stay at Craig D's house in Omaha nice and um, but I got a hotel tonight I, okay it's nice to get a hotel every now and then <laughs> you know I, I switch between friends places yeah. and, and hotels I, I'm, I'm glad because I had offered you, you my couch and then my uh, I'm subletting and then the guy I'm subletting from showed up and was like hey last minute no no warning so I was thank Thankfully. <laughs> Thank you for the initial offer, yeah. but, you know. Next time. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so where did you grow up, speaking of home? Well, I, I started in uh, northern Minnesota, and then I, I grew up, you know, in suburban Illinois, Chicago, you know, okay. Naperville, Aurora. Yeah, been there. And then uh, New York, northern New Jersey, Caldwell, and Hackettstown, and Denville, those three towns. Wow. And then I, I moved down to Fort Mill, South Carolina. So you jumped and, uh, around all over the place growing yeah, up? Yeah, and, you know, and then, then I've been kind of jumping around my whole life. <laughs> Ever since. <laughs> Is there a place you identify with and consider home? There's a lot of places yeah, that I consider enough. home. There's a lot of places that I'm very familiar with. There's probably about 20 cities that I would I feel kin to, you know. Yeah, so... You're you're what forty three? Forty four. Forty four. I'm thirty two. That's a good little difference there. So you kind of grew up in a completely different world, other than me, you know, musically, otherwise. Um, but I, I, I'm usually most curious about people's musical origins. And one of the things I like to ask is like, what is your first memory of like finding music or it finding you? I think it, it was um, probably. Kodachrome by Paul Simon or or Jim Croce yeah. working in the Car Wash Blues or Bad Bad Le- Leroy Brown was the first song I memorized by Jim Croce you know and <clears throat> at competitions with my sister who could remember the, the lyrics to the songs you know those, those records and the Beatles my mother had the Beatles 45s in the 70s in the early 70s I remember my first memory was those um, Hey Jude 45 and my mom had the the um, what is it the uh, briefcase turntable yeah you know with the speaker built in and as a little kid I always had a hard time getting that adapter into the hole of the 45 and it would (laughs) As a like four or five year old, that's what I remember trying to get that thing into the center hole. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, um, was that like your first musical obsession? Like I, for me, I remember 
very similar to that, like, you know, 10 years younger than you, of course, or 12, I guess. We're getting, um, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA hit right about that time for me and that I would play over and over and over and over and over again. And, like, I can see that being a pinpoint of my musical, like, obsession starting right then. Is there a moment you can find see that pinpoint of it starting? Or is it just what you just told me? <laughs> Pretty much what I told you. I, yeah, I don't know if... There's, you know... It seemed like there were different regional... Yeah points like New Jersey was definitely a, a point where I discovered you know the boss Bruce yeah. Springsteen and uh, punk rock yeah. I discovered in New Jersey that was a pivotal moment you know when when I was a you know 12 13 years old and hearing punk rock for the first time that was amazing hearing the dead Kennedys being broadcast out of, off that pirate radio station boat off the coast of New Jersey. Oh, wow, yeah. And being at the bagel shop with my mom and waiting in the car while she got the bagels and tuning in that pirate radio onto punk rock. It was pretty cool. What, what was what was it that grabbed you about that? Do you... I just thought it had, a, you know, yeah. the Clash's version of I Fought the Law. That's what yeah. was on, because I loved that song, I Fought the Law. Um, and then it was... The Clash's version that really kicked ass over the original, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, t- Bye. Have a good night. Take you care too. of yourself. Travel safe. Yeah, have a great night. Good to see you. So you mentioned that uh, you and your sister had lyric memorizing competitions. Who yeah. Would, who would win those? I would win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she'd probably say she won, but yeah. I won. Yeah, uh, as far what, as I remember. So, so <laughs> memorizing those lyrics over and over and over again—is that how you kind of learned how to write music? Like, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, when "Greetings from Asbury Park" was one of the albums that we we memorized, nice. and that song uh, "Blinded by the Light," mm-hmm. that was like a rap song, trying to memorize all those <laughs> lyrics, and then rap hit. You know, like hip hop came about like Houdini and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and Nucleus you know and um, who did Jam on it remember that song Jam on it oh yeah um, who was that again I'm awful at remembering um, names well whoever did Jam on it <laughs> we, we tried to memorize that one you know Superman had come yeah. to town to see who he could rock <laughs> Or his roof was, was made three stories high. His speaker was made of steel. <laughs> or or um, Goudini, you know, like, ladies were pretty from city to city. But now we're getting down to the nitty gritty from the bottom to the top, top to the bottom. I'm going to rap them while I still got them. My rapping shower style and power, this is your disco hour. I don't know if all of you had heard. I'm the, up to me to spread the word. Go by the name of Grandmaster D. If it's all right with you, it's all right with me. I'm going to rock these people's minds with ease. With some help from the maestro, if you please. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> when did you, where were you uh, when you found that? The hip hop, the rap? Oh, was New Jersey. S- still New Jersey? Yeah, Close enough to they, New York. They had that um, Kiss FM radio station that had that late night show that I would tune into, and I would take my cassette recorder mm-hmm. and record it and get the music, oh. the freshest music that way. <laughs> 
And then you memorize those lyrics too. Yeah. Do you memorize everything? What else do you memorize? No, I d- not everything. Oh, yeah. Well, I used to, but yeah, uh, not anymore. <laughs> That's cool. I memorize random like I, I was obsessed with movies more than music as a kid, and probably not. Anyway, n- I was obsessed with movies too. Like I, I, I typed out the whole uh, Blues Brothers script, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is still musically tied in there somewhere. Yeah. I, had a, I have a sister who probably won't listen to this, but she typed out a. There's a movie called Empire Records. I'm not, I don't know if you've seen I've, it or not. I've seen. I've seen the advertisements, yeah. but I had not watched it. She typed out a script of that from memory, and it's still and it's super close. It's it's ridiculous. Um, but so, when did you first uh, start playing music? Well, I started playing. I started off as a drummer when I was nine, mm-hmm. and. Then I just played drums until I was 21. Hey, and then I, why, why drums? Most parents are just like, Because uh, my sister took guitar. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good reason. And I liked the drums better at the time because I was, I was really into Stuart Copeland mm-hmm. and um, Ringo Starr. <laughs> so I wanted to be like them. Yeah. Especially Stuart Copeland with all the, the rolls on, on the cymbals. You know, that kind of quirky style of drumming that he does. And you and you would, with all the moves, you would bring the drums with you everywhere you went? Yeah, or I accumulated <laughs> drums, random drums, and I would re- refinish used drums. And I made this monster drum kit out of money I made from being a golf caddy. <laughs> and then working at a gas station. Nice. My first two jobs. Um... And and so your parents were divorced, and wh- why did you guys move around so much? I, I well, my mother work. My mother um, was remarried mm-hmm. to a, a man that was her teacher for the comp- the Bell system. Okay, and that took us to Chicago, and then they got transferred to New Jersey. He was like a troubleshooter, cool. so they for the phone company. Yeah, so they yeah. sent him into areas that were troubled, and for like a two year contract, so we got moved around. And so was this music obsession, like the lyrics and playing, was that some kind of escapism from all the moving and whatnot? Maybe? Yeah, probably because I was always the new kid. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was more or less got acquainted with the music or, you know, being by myself more than, you know, trying to make friends yeah. after a while all the time. New friends. Especially <laughs> if you know you're going to move in two years. It's like, yeah. well, what's what's the point? I understand that. Um, so you're into punk rock. You find it in New Jersey. Were you the guy that brought it across the country with you, showing random people, or was it a No, it, it, it kind of, especially in New Jersey, in New Jersey at the time, not many people were into punk rock or skateboarding. And I was really into skate skateboarding, and there was, mm-hmm. like, out of our school of, like, a couple of 1500 people 2000 people is a big school there was only like five or five or six of us that got yeah. had skateboards that's and, e- even in the night yeah this was in the too. like 1984 you know and up there that it wasn't hip to skateboard at all and you shave your head or get a mohawk and you get your ass kicked you know it was you're in the minority and people did they treated you like you're yeah. a freak you know, or like a stupid person for skateboarding, but we would we would skateboard and build ramps, and and punk rock was 
kind of a oh I I could probably get along with that person you know if you saw the the punk rock patch <laughs> you know and then at the and then did you go to college at all I did I went okay. to Clemson where's that South Carolina okay so I, I had no clue I didn't find I missed that little tidbit in my research. Um, when did you start? Were you playing in punk rock bands this whole time, or playing music in general? I was. Um, I played in a bunch of different types of bands, you know, as a drummer. But my first serious band was the Fat Stinking Belgian Bastards, and that was a we were a kind of a goofy punk rock trio, and I was the drummer, and we did we did a lot of covers like Minutemen and um, Naked Raygun and. Spot 1019. Nice. And what else did we do? We did we did a lot of different kind of stuff. Wire, you know, and but we did our own songs too. Right, that, that was when I first started writing songs behind the drums. Yeah. And, and then you were also in like um, most notably, I guess I, I don't know if that's quite right. This bike is a pipe bomb, and then Sunbrain. Sunbrain before yeah right before. The pipe bomb. I was in the Sunbrain for six years before the pipe bomb, and we put out a bunch of records. And that was the first band that I really toured in. And starting in 1993, you know, we actually toured around through the Midwest and Northeast, and went to New York and all that, and put out CDs. And yeah, how how, how involved were you in the writing for those? I was the main writer. Oh, really? For, yeah. I well, I mean, with part. the as far as the lyrics and. Mm-hmm. A lot of the later song guitar songs I, I wrote, but initially I was the drummer, and then I switched to just the singer, and then I was the rhythm guitar, and then the singer. <laughs> um, so when did you? What what brought you out to being on the front line? Um, I know a handful of drummers who have drummer syndrome, where they want to, or frontman syndrome, where they want to be the frontman. You kind of don't come off that way. I didn't want. I wanted yeah. to be the drummer, but we we had a. A singer mm-hmm. and I wrote the lyrics for the singer and he was this dude who was he, he was torn whether he wanted to be a frat boy or in a band and he chose the frat boy and uh, so we had a show and he ditched us for the frat and then we were like well we don't have a singer and I knew all the lyrics because I wrote the lyrics for him yeah. and <clears throat> but I would play the drums but I could sing the lyrics behind the drums but the guy who lived across the hall from me was a badass drummer, like really good. So I was like, "Hey, Steve, would you, you want to just take the drums and I'll just do the, I'll just sing, you know?" Because I knew all the lyrics, yeah. and and it turned out really good that way. So for a couple of years, I just was the singer, and then then I started playing the guitar because this friend of mine is a religious freak. He's a good guy, but yeah. he got real into this religion, and he became a Franciscan monk, and he gave away all his material possessions. And so one day I get this guitar in the mail. He's like, you should start playing this. So that was like a message from God. Or, <laughs> or this guy that was like wrapped up in some weird God trip sends me this guitar. So I yeah. started playing it. Do you ever play drums anymore? Like I do, just on yeah. your I play them in the studio. I like to do layered cadences in the studio. Like the, the record I did with that song Carolina Moon a couple of years ago, I did all the drums for that and I did... Don't be eyeballing my poor boy. The second line, try to deconstruct the second line and do all the the drums that way. You know, it's fun to do that kind of stuff. Do, yeah, just layered. 
percussion, but not not really rocking the kit as much. But but you still probably hold your own. I can do it, but I'm, my chops are pretty pretty lame right now. It would take me a little while to get back into the swing of things. Yeah. So when did did you ever grow? T- How did the solo material come about? Did you just grow tired of the punk rock scene, and or was it something? Well, I, I was what? in a band where it was all for one, one for all, and I gave gave everything to it, and it wasn't. You know, those it turns out like every, the rhythm section left. Us. We had booked this tour, and that these dudes they at the time they just ditched and we had all these shows and I was like my buddy Russ and I were left to do the shows the lead guitar player and me on rhythm guitar so we're like all right so that was kind of a catalyst for me as we got to be older you know we get out of college and, and some people take straight jobs and say oh I have to put put away these childish ways now and, and yeah. move on with my life they moved on with their lives and got their their jobs and their mortgages, etc., and, and I took the other path. I, I stayed with the music, you know, yeah. and I, I didn't choose to to take the route, the safe route that they took. What What was your major? I business. I business. Yeah. Are you, do you think of yourself as a good businessman? I'm a terrible businessman. <laughs> I find <laughs> I'm that a lot. Probably the worst business, I, and I learned everything I didn't want to do. Yeah. When I, in school, it's like the people I went to school with were like people I despised. You know, it's like, I don't want to be that business guy. Yeah. But I guess I learned it was an easy way through school. I could be in bands and do the radio station. And, and I kicked myself, though, in retrospect. I really should have used that time for something more creative. But I did. I, I wrote songs during that time, and I just kind of skated through. Yeah. Uh, what I mean, what really draws you to this lifestyle? Like, I know me and all my friends, like, we're all in the same boat where we're, like, I'm 32, and I'm thinking to myself, like, is is this it? Is am I go? I'm at that crossroads now where it's like all in or turn around and go to co- go to school of some kind. And I think it's all in. And I'm just curious what attracts other people to that all in kind of idea. Well, I'm, I daily struggle with being all in, and I feel like you know half the time I feel like a total loser. You know, it's like, <laughs> right? I'm like driving around living yeah. out of a shitty car, and it's like I don't have any money, and I have crappy clothes and. I don't have nice stuff. Uh, you, you're just very nice today. Nice like, yeah, right? I just went shopping at Kmart, oh, actually. Nice. <laughs> New plaid shirt. and plaid. No, but, you know, it's... I, I am envious of some of my friends who took the straight route, mm-hmm. and they have nice homes, and they have children, and, you know, happy families and all that. I don't have any of that. Yeah. And it's getting... I'm 44 now, and it's kind of... <laughs> seems like too late to turn back or jump into some new career... Uh, maybe it's not. You know, I no. thought about going to the wind and solar school up in Oregon, which I might do. I don't know. I like doing carpentry. I, I go back and forth. Yeah. You know. Um. I think I'll come back to that some more in a minute. But let's go back. So when you switched to the acoustic music, like the punk rock is so much more dangerous i guess in a, in retrospect to what you're doing now was it an easy switch for you to make that move into this world i i was attracted to making the switch because i thought that doing it alone with a acoustic guitar was more dangerous especially when i st- was yeah. first doing it with like opening up for this bike as a pipe bomb and playing with them and going out with uh, operation cliff clavin and doing punk rock tours days. you know initially i was just doing punk rock you know and 
open being the opening acoustic guy, you know, and and playing for audiences that don't want to hear that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And I thought that was a little more. I thought punk rock was I was doing doing what you, yeah. you totally believed right. in and and not following any format and just going going with a new idea or. You know, going with your heart all the way. Yeah. So, or do you still feel that way now? Do you still feel punk rock even at forty-four? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I just feel. I just feel like I'm fucking forty-four. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I feel. I don't know. I, I never really was like a punk rocker. You know, yeah, I was right. always just like trying to yeah, do my you. own thing. You know. Um. One of the things that's really appealing to me about the music you're playing nowadays is that it's it's just very simple. It's very relaxed. It feels like, I mean, the image of the Lee, the feather and Forrest Gump in the opening credits floating, it just feels very natural, very easy. Is it that way to write, to come up with, or is it a little bit harder? It just feels very easy and natural and breezy and light, even though some of the lyrical content isn't. I don't know if I... I, I I don't know. Just if word it's, vomited, so I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if it's easy to write or hard. Okay. I, I just, I don't remember writing half of it or any of it. Yeah. I don't even, I can't recall how it's written. It just, it comes about yeah. and it's, all of a sudden it's a song there, you know? Yeah. I, I couldn't really say how it came about. I read somewhere that you, uh, it, it was an older interview I was reading and you would write with a pen and paper while driving down the road. Lyrics, still, do you still do that? I still do, yeah. You, you haven't upgraded to like the voice recorder on I, the phone? I use that a little Good. bit too. I do the combo. Yeah. But where, where do you find you do the best writing? Whatever. I don't know. It's, yeah, it just I don't comes. even know where. Like, I, I don't... You know, most of it's garbage. <laughs> it's like you sift through it and it's yeah. like, there's a couple good lines. Uh, I, I do like to ask people. Uh, Stephen King has mentioned that, like in his books, he doesn't write them; he's a conduit for these ideas. Do you feel the same way, or do you feel like you actually sit down and write them? I don't sit down, and I really yeah. don't sit down and cool. write. It's just I, I probably, I probably follow suit with what Stephen King would have to say about like being a conduit of you know, yeah. you have something flow through, and you just jot it down. Cool. You've got an idea, nice. loosely write it down. Or, then it all connects somehow at some point. Yeah. Um, I've heard you call... I, actually, I coined this. I don't know why I wrote it this way, but I've heard you called... You're called like a musician's musician. Musicians love you. Like, uh, I'm good friends with Austin Lucas. I know Austin. He, yeah. he said very good things about you. I posted on Facebook, my buddy Kevin Seconds from 7 Seconds. It was yeah, like, Kevin. oh man, that guy's great. He's one of the best songwriters in the world. Um, but you're still under the radar... And you've even toured with some huge acts, but you're still kind of under the radar. Um, but why do you why do you think you attract so much musician love, and maybe not mainstream? Or any idea? I have no idea. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. It's good. It's humble, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm happy to attract any kind of love. It's just nice that people say kind things like that. I yeah. appreciate it. And, uh, and they're all, like, super excited. Austin Austin was like, oh, tell, in his voice, tell him I said hello, or however he talks. I can't do Austin's accent very well. He's a interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, we actually, I, I don't know if I met you that time or not, but I was touring with Austin Lucas. We ended up at South by Southwest, I want to say 2011, and I think you were on tour with friends, Nikolai? 
maybe or Franz, yeah. Franz. And you guys played a weird house show when we got there like half an hour earlier than you guys did and didn't like the vibe and you guys showed up and we left instead of sticking around. I really regret it. But uh I'm it was a weird to remember night. what kind of show that was. It was just a weird house show on the first night of South by Southwest. It was like young hippie dippity kids running around and I don't know. I don't remember what happened. I don't either. I just remember me and Austin were looking around and we were like, there are cops everywhere. We should just go back to the hotel. And our hotel was 30 miles outside of oh, Austin. Man. I'm exaggerating. It was maybe 30 minutes, not 30 yeah, miles. Yeah. But so anyway, I, I regret. I don't know if I shook your hand or not, not or not, but I know I talked to Franz for like maybe two seconds. But anyway, but yeah, so he, he I texted him today. I said, hey, I think I'm interviewing David. Do you uh, He's great. have any anything you want me to ask and he was like he mentioned some stuff that I might get to here in a minute but yeah he's a good dude yeah he, he won't take me back out on tour again because I but that's and enough about me um so let's see so one of the things I like about watching you is that you have kind of a awkward perform a persona on stage um how do you feel when you're up there on stage awkward awkward the whole time do you ever get awkward all the time (laughs) i feel like i really do man i feel like somebody's about to spray me with a garden hose half the time why do you think that is any idea i don't know moving around too much maybe um what is it what is the experience like for you to get up there on stage in front of people it's gonna be terrifying sometimes (laughs) every night or just sometimes well, initially it is, and then it, I get into it, you know? Yeah. And then you get in, get in kind of wrapped up in my in my thing. <laughs> yeah. So it, I try to calm down. I just, I can't. I don't know what it is. I'm not a, I'm not really an entertainer. I'm more of a, you know, yeah. awkward presence on the stage. I, it, it, it's hard, yeah. It, I mean, it, but it feels, it, weird. that's what I like about it is it feels very genuine. It doesn't feel like... Stage, you know, you see the guys who, you know, they do that same little story every night. It feels, you know, you tell a different story, play it differently. So, I try to. I do say some of the things, like the guy to new records story. Yeah. I've been saying that because I think it's funny, the Mister Kurzak story. But I don't know if I'll keep that one up. Yeah. Um, so, so you've toured with bands though, like, um, like Against Me was one of the ones I saw, and I'm sure those gigantic shows. How do you prepare for a show like that versus a show like this or a house show? I used to just get really loaded, oh. and I'd, I'd get up there real drunk and probably wasn't very good. But, you know, I quit drinking, so, and I've noticed that it's helped me, it, it, even in regards to the awkwardness, like um, trying to just do it straight has been the biggest challenge. Is and in, in, in a good way, you know, because it's. I think the guitar playing's a little better, and you know, getting a little more confidence with with the whole thing. Like tonight, doing it straight, I thought it came off all right. Cool. And I felt I felt more comfortable as the night went on. Good. Uh, was it hard for you kicking the boost? Was it even kicking it, or was it just like, yeah, I'm done? It was kicking me, man. Yeah. And it it kicked me. It it's turning me into a person I don't want to be. And I and I and I have to, you know, beyond AA, AA doesn't work for me. And it's like I had to tell myself, you know, do you want to be that guy or do you want to be a guy that you can communicate with, you know, and have an honest conversation? Or do you want to be the the drunken asshole that's hit, hitting on the, the guy's girlfriend, you know? Or 
you know, spouting off some random bullshit opinion. Yeah. You know, I I don't want to be that guy anymore. You know, I want to have a coherent conversation with people. If I'm gonna come and play music in a bar, so, yeah. is it hard playing music in bars, or is it easy? It's hard. I'm yeah. full of anxiety being close <laughs> to the bar. Do a guzzle soda water all night. Yeah, but got to do something with those hands. That's yeah. the problem I have. Don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. Don't show up and hang around too long. Yeah, you know. See, uh, I really like the guitar off the new record. That's this on the guitar? new record. This guitar. Yeah, my I have it written down here. And one of the things is it, it, it's basically like. Um, you know, a lot of what we're talking about tonight is what I picked up in it. Like, you know, you can't put the guitar down. It it just keeps coming back and back and back. It's, do you think this... I, and we've already talked about it a little bit, but do you think you could ever quit this life? I know you're toying around with it, like going back to solar school or whatnot. Or do I don't you, know, man. Yeah. I don't know if I could. You know, I, I yeah. think about it all the time, and I yeah. think about quitting it. And then I and I think about the repercussions of that and I don't want it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's very, it, like I have friends who will quit music and go to therapy and do this, 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 this. Then I'll start playing in bands again and they're like, hey, I quit therapy because I'm happy again. I found See, my that's happiness. Because it. It, it is therapy and it, it's yeah. a way of, it, it really is a way of dealing with things. Yeah. And it, for me it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, even even me just doing this, it feels like therapy because I'm working out, talking to you. I'm working out my own stuff. I'm getting, hearing stuff from you, and it's like, oh man, yeah, it's good. It's wonderful. I I couldn't imagine a life without it. And I think I think about quitting this all the time, and I'm just staying here, doing this here. But you know, um, yeah. I mean, what? I've got all these half-written questions here, but so with this new record just came out you did a kickstarter for it mm-hmm. what was the experience like for you i know some people have so many mixed emotions about this um how humbling how, how was it for you doing doing that experience i i thought part of it was really fun like i never made a video before and i made this video and it was really fun to put it together uh, and then it was nerve-wracking because i was worried it wouldn't make the amount of money i needed yeah and then some people had said mean things, you know, nasty things about it. Uh, you know, I can't believe you have res- artists now are resorting to panhandling on the internet for money to put out records. And I thought to myself, what, what an inconsiderate thing to say to an artist, you know, especially however many records I put out and not made a dime off of any of these through these various record labels and never will. And this format of crowdfunding has been the first time where I've actually made any money off of, off of music and was able to put out a, a nice quality product of, you know, two vinyl records. And um, I thought it was really positive. And the other positive thing was to have direct contact with the people that are into it and not having it forced down people's throats, you know, through some marketing campaign or you know, some yeah. bullshit uh, publicity you know yeah. crap it's like people that wanted to hear it paid into it yeah. and that's that yeah. and that's undeniable and it, it paid for itself so and it, and I it's, thought it was a really good positive experience although it was a lot of work doing all the mail outs and all the mm-hmm. art projects and it was a lot of fun but it, it is a lot of work and I can only imagine 
like the the gal that that the band that made millions or whatever it's like how the oh, hell yeah. are they gonna do all those mail outs hire people to do it you gotta hire know. a bunch of people it's more money <laughs> more <laughs> money spent um, and actually I made the money and, and it ended up costing a lot yeah. more than I had budgeted yeah. so but it, it was a good it was a kickstart yeah. it helped get it out there I thought it was really great what, what I like the ones though that are like, like yours. It's essentially a pre-order. It's like, hey, pre-order this pre-order. album. You get some pre, you get some cool stuff. Because and you know pre-ordered. what? Everybody got paid too. Yeah. Like the people that played on it, I gave them some money, and the people that recorded it, I gave them money. And it's like, I spread it around to some people. So yeah, I was happy to to do it. Um, would Would you do it again? Maybe. Yeah. Why did Why did you choose? this time to go out and do it on your own instead of I mean I you've got t- some connections I'm tired of record labels I'm yeah. tired of the whole they're your friend one day and then yeah. they don't give a fuck for you the next you know mm-hmm. record labels I've been on they don't even speak to me I don't even know these people anymore uh-huh. you know? I'm sorry to hear that you know, it's like if you don't make money or you're not a big success you know yeah. they, they dump you in a heartbeat it's like, and, I, and I know like in my career I've been probably my own worst enemy <laughs> you know I think we all are. What well, so? Um, what's next for you on this road? I mean, you're going to keep touring, keep playing. I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to do this trip up until December 20th, and wow. you know, I I dream of putting out a book, yeah. but it's it's a lot. It's a lot of work. I've been working on it, but it's 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 still it's a, a long, long trip to do a book. That's one of the hardest things you could do. Yeah, is put out a book. Who who are some of the authors you look? That I, I hate the word influence, uh, but you know, and like, like what, what are you trying to achieve with the book? I guess that's a better question. I want to. I just want to achieve a, a true expression of my experience. Yeah. Is it going to be memoir esque? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Yeah, possibly with some fictional characters to, to kind of make the story a yeah. little tastier, a little Bukowski esque. <laughs> Yeah. Like I read Bukowski and I'm like, how much of this is real and how much of this is in some crazy old man's mind <laughs> or drunken lunatic's mind? But um, what, uh, so um, <coughs> and people can find you online. Your website's DavidDondero.com, I believe, something like that. I'll have it the is. Link. Yeah, it's DaveDondero.com oh, because there's apologies. another David Dondero and he snagged the website.com. And you'll see his mug up there, DavidDondero.com. That's not me. <laughs> but mine is DaveDondero.com. But I also have DavidDondero1 mm. at Bandcamp. On Bandcamp, cool. with all my records are on there now. Yeah. So. Well, we covered a pretty good amount. Anything else you want to talk about today? Like while we're here hanging out? Oh, man. I don't know. I want to move to Denver someday. Really? I, I really like Denver. I, I just moved here about two months ago from Colorado Springs. This um, is a great city. And, I, I, and so far, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah, I always yeah. feel good here. So maybe I'll end up here in the yeah. winter. Well, I've got a couch you can stay on. Well, it's when my roommate's not on it. <laughs> Subletting it. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Where, where are you headed next? You're headed to... Omaha. Omaha. Oh, that's a hell of a drive. It'll be great. Tomorrow night. And Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Well... well Thanks for hanging out and talking with me. I don't really have anything else. Well, thanks. We covered it. Thanks for coming and, you know, doing this. Glad to be part of it. Yeah, it was fun. All right, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, all right, buddies. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Again, I apologize. My voice is shot. 
Um, but hey, we'll get it back before the uh, weekend is up. Uh, make sure if if you um, if you're in the Colorado area, please come check out the Mostly Harmless live event at Surfside Seven in Fort Collins, uh, 5 p.m. Friday, November 15th. We're gonna sit down. We're gonna interview the boys and Arliss Nancy. They're gonna play a short acoustic set before going over to their uh, album release show at Road 34 in Fort Collins. It's gonna be a effing blast. And uh, we already did it once with Two Cow Garage, and that episode came off great. I'm excited to do it again. Uh, the more and more practice I get at doing these, the more and more we're going to get around to like doing some really big special events. That's what I got in my head and some things I got planned. So we'll see what happens, folks. Uh, if you like what you heard today, please visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com. I've got about 55 other episodes up, and uh, hopefully from now on, from now on until the end of my life, we'll be doing at least one a week, if not more. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, now that we're living in Denver, we got a lot more access to things. And by we, I mean me and the voices inside my head. So, all right, guys, please visit MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. Check out the other interviews. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Hey, leave a little iTunes love on there. Leave us a little uh, review. All right, guys, uh, we're going to go ahead and end this song with an older David Dondero song. Now, with his uh, last Kickstarter campaign, he also did a, uh, a release for his new... his uh, Golden Hits Volume 1, which he re-recorded. The song is going to be called, uh, let's go with The Real Tina Turner. All right, guys. See you in the funny pages. If it wasn't for the liquor and the weed, I never would have made it through the winter. Developed a habit of washing your hands to the point that your fingers would bleed. What's your name, Ham Patsy? Are you Irish? No, I'm Frankenstein. Well, here's to the best of the backseaters. I was a real Tina Turner in my time. A real Tina Turner in my mind. Real Tina Turner in my time. But I was blind. Was a real Tina Turner in my mind. All in my mind. I condensed my whole life into a gym bag Stolen tonight from your car My wallet, my keys, my shoes and all my photos Even took my voter registration card Put my mouth into a smile, I'll let my heart drive Buy some new used clothes and I'll be fine Well here's to the crooks that took my old life I was a real Tina Turner in those times A real Tina Turner in the times Real Tina Turner in my mind But I was blind Was a real Tina Turner in my mind Remember New Orleans of the 60s You could park anywhere Clotheslines strung up along Decatur Prostitutes and sailors everywhere the times had changed, they cleaned up the quarter Made it more friendly for the tourists Here's to the last of the soul shake swingers All the real Tina Turners of the times All the real Tina Turners of the times Real Tina Turners of our times They're so hard to find Real Tina Turners of our times What are you doing after work? 
believe I'll be going on down to Molly's. You don't find me there, I'm slumping on the bar. Catch me at Checkpoint Charlie's. Well, old Jim Smith's doing an open mic show. Play you some songs if you go. Well, here's to Sneaky Pete, he's always in the pocket. He's a real Tina Turner of our time. He's the best bass player known to mankind. Real Tina Turner of our time. The guy is genuine. He's a real Tina Turner of our time.